many Native American communities across the country have had lots of journalists pop in, do the story, and then they're gone, and they may not follow up for years. Stories about Indian country tend to focus on crime, poverty, and addiction, rarely going beneath the surface. But for more than two decades, the University of Montana has trained aspiring journalists to think differently when covering life on the reservations. I'm Amelia Brust, and this is It's All Journalism. Jason Begay and Jeremy Lugio are faculty at the University of Montana School of Journalism and co-teachers for the Native News Honors Project, a semester-long course that gives students the chance to report in-depth stories about Montana's Native American reservations and tribes. Jason and Jeremy, welcome to the podcast today. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, for any listeners wondering if they've downloaded the right podcast, the answer is yes, you did. I normally help out on the booking side of It's All Journalism, but our host, Michael O'Connell, has graciously allowed me to conduct this interview today because I've been aware of the Native News Honors Project for some time, and it was very excited to talk to today's guests. So, Jason and Jeremy, um, maybe you guys can start with explaining to people what the project is and how it got started more than 20 years ago. Sure. Uh, in 1992, a longtime school of journalism professor, Carol Van Valkenburg, started the Native News Honors Project with a few goals in mind. One, to bring really desperately needed but meaningful coverage to the 12 tribes across the seven race reservations in Montana, also including the Little Shell, who are recognized by the state but not federally, and wanted to bring meaningful coverage that was often overlooked uh, in traditional news coverage from television stations and newspapers. But she also had the goal to train young journalists about the intricacies of covering stories from the Native American communities in our state, and in giving them that training, hoping they would bring that into their jobs and their newsrooms. And so, yeah, we're in our 28th year with the Native News Honors Project. Carol Van Valkenburg, did she also start it with Patty Rexton? Patty would have been the first visual professor, yeah. So so I'm a visual journalist, and I do video documentary and still photojournalism, and, and Jason is quite an accomplished writer and reporter, and so we team teach it together, and that's Carol and Patty started it. Carol and Jason have been really the two longstanding reporting and writing teachers that have taught the class. Yeah, and I think that really shows in the work. If anyone goes to any of the various years of this project and reads through the stories, they'll also see some really amazing photography work that I think is is a real strength of the Honors Project. So I'm guessing you guys, do you do push the visual element as much as the writing side. Yeah, absolutely. We talk about teamwork in this project, and we team up writers and visual journalists together, and we uh, we really stress that it's their project. You know, it's not my story or her story or his story. It's each team has their story, and so they're really working together to get complementary coverage with both the words and the video and the still images. And how many students are in the project each year, and how are they able to get into it? I'm guessing this is this is maybe some of your higher performing students, or are these students that are already on maybe like a long form journalism track or on like an investigative type of track already, and, and that's how they get involved in the in this project? Yeah, I could take that one. So the class is designed, it's a, it's a capstone, so it's designed preferably for senior students. And it is one, I think, I think the only class we have in the program where we, Jeremy and myself, get to pick the students who are going to participate. So we pick among the best students we have. 
And mostly we look for students who can finish because we send students out and when they come back, they have to be able to find the story and then come back and finish it. Because one of the unique things about this class is that all the work gets published, and it's very public, so it gets inserted in the, in the Missoulian and the Billings Gazette. So two different sides of the state during a weekend edition, it gets pretty wide play, plus it goes online. So everything everything is very public for us. And so the way the way it works is, as, as Jeremy said, it's two convening classes. So I teach the reporting class, he teaches the photo class, and we team students up so that each team has one reporter, one photographer, and we assign them a reservation. So there's seven reservations in the state. In addition to that, we have the Little Shelled Band of Chippewa, which is uh, recognized by the state but not by the federal government, so they don't have a reservation. And they have that reservation for the entire semester. So we usually have about 16 news-producing students, but also we have student editors and a student designer. And then depending on the year, we'll have like an audio team or social media team. And so the goal is, so the whole project is, written, photographed, edited, designed by students. That kind of leads into how do your students end up picking their stories for the project? And do you guys decide on a kind of unifying theme for the stories beforehand? Or do you pick a theme based on the ideas that your story that your students come to you with? Usually we pick a theme based on what's happening in the country and and what's happening with issues that, that will or might have an effect on Indian country. So this year, our theme is pretty obvious. We're doing Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, which has got tremendous play nationwide, everywhere. It's been it's kind of an oversaturated thing. So our challenge this year is to cover this in a new way and find new angles that haven't been covered, which is really hard, right? So it's definitely a challenge for us. It's a, it's a huge challenge for the students. But like last year, we did sovereignty because, for instance, we the thought was that you know, with the Trump administration, there would be issues of sovereignty and and treaty rights. But that was a tricky one because sovereignty is a really dense topic, and you know, just getting students to wrap their heads around just just that word, much less like find stories that that fall under it, um, was was a challenge. And then, so the year before that, we did Indian Health Service when everybody's worried about rising costs of medical care and Obamacare was under attack. Um, so we, we, we try to find things that that we can cover in four months, which is how long our semesters are. So the, the, the tricky part is we pick a theme like in January, and whether that theme is still going to be newsworthy in May when we publish <laughs> is, is the hardest part mm-hmm. about this. Um, so uh, th- that's what we shoot for. So what has been, then what's been maybe like a, a major challenge, and like you said, covering these stories in a new way, but also what do you think has been a real triumph of the project in the last few years in terms of how it covers stories? I'll let Jeremy start if you want. Yeah, it kind of follows up what Jason said. I think when we first started, a lot of the reporting was some of the harder issues, you know, high unemployment rates, median age rates that were lower and failing health, you know, Indian health service facilities, uh, justice, and they were a little bit, they were on the hard news side. Uh, and a lot of those stories did need to be covered. They weren't getting coverage and a lot of, there was change needed. Uh, and I do think when Jason took over, uh, Carol retired. And when Jason was hired and started team teaching, I got to teach with Carol, I think two or three years. And I think Jason brought a new perspective, uh, uh, being Navajo, uh, he, you know, he comes with a different, different lens to view the class and what's important. And I think that's changed the way we've done the project in, in really good ways. So one way was one year he decided that 
you know, he threw out the idea, we really should do a, a tab on relationships, and maybe I'll have him talk a little bit about his thought process, but one that was not necessarily on a hard news issue that was affecting uh, Native Americans in Montana and in the country, but one that was almost really broad and sweeping, and it allowed for some really interesting stories to come together in a single tab, which I thought was one of our strongest tabs and sort of the most innovative lens to, to view um, our project through. Uh, so I think, yeah, we have to stay attuned to what's what news is affecting people across the state of Montana, including Native Americans, but we also have to find new ways of coverage that sort of go beyond, as you said in the beginning, the stereotypes of you know, some of the negative news, some of the stereotypes of, of un high unemployment, which does exist, but that's we sort of fail if we don't get a whole arc of stories from, you know, life on the reservation or life for tribal members in our state. Maybe you want to continue on that, Jason. So the thing to keep in mind is like, yeah, we're, we're coming up on 30 years, right? And I can't think of any, I might get, I, I might get some emails about this, but I can't think of any, any uh, school project that has dedicated um, a project like this toward Indian country for that long. Right. So it, it, it's evolved quite a bit. And I think, um, for a while, it um, the, the project had, had had been covering a lot of really deep and important issues, but in a way where it was really highlighting the really tragic aspects of Indian country exist and definitely should be covered. But I, th when I came in, I thought that you know, I mean, writing sad or writing tragic is pretty easy for most people. I, I strongly believe that. Doing it the other way around, writing not necessarily just positive, but but finding a more intricate, forward-looking angle is really difficult, and 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 to do it in a way that is just as compelling as a really sad and tragic story is 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 really difficult. So when I came in, for instance, the uh, the, the first um, tab or the first project that I took over, one of the big issues was really high unemployment rate across the country, right? But instead of focusing on unemployment, we focused on what people do for work and how they make money, right? So we're still doing the same thing, but we just took a step to the side to look at it from a different angle. So it's not just like that uh, doom and gloom, these poor people, how do they survive? It was actually looking at how they survive, right? And so with Jeremy, um, the, 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 the project that Jeremy mentioned about relationships, that was probably one of my favorite ones we've done so far. I mean, that was a bit of an experiment to do because it's not focusing on like a, a system, it's more focusing on like an idea. And I thought it would be really interesting to see how people connect with one another on reservations, like families, friends, romantically. And, you know, it was, it was a wild idea that turned out really, really well. I think it, then it probably speaks to the the track record of this project that your students can walk in, in I'm guessing in most cases, but I don't know, maybe not, can walk in cold to these the reservations and and still, you know, get residents there to talk to them and tell them these really kind of personal stories that are are not happy a lot of the time. But I'm guessing that over so many years, you guys have managed to build up some pretty strong relationships with the tribes. And so they kind of know what to expect from the students. And maybe there's some, there are people that live there that, you know, are very knowledgeable about what's going on in the community that can kind of give the students an insight as to uh, who to talk to for certain stories and where to be looking for stories and things like that. 
I would like to say that's the case, but I think there's so many things that happen. Like there's turnover for for different positions or or tribal like leadership turns over so quickly. So I'm not sure that students go like 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 our students this year. I'm not sure they go and everybody's like, oh hey, native news is here because you know the person who they talk to might be in a different position than they were from last year. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so a, I that's think surprising. W- <laughs> what we do do though is make sure that students don't go in there cold. So it, it, so basically, the class is the only class we have where students spend the entire semester on just one story, right? And so students usually go out on their reporting trips during spring break. They go out and they spend like four or five days there. They, they can spend longer, but but we only pay for like three or four nights hotel stay depending on how far they have to travel. And so that means spring break is two months in the semester, at least sometimes longer than that. So, so they have two months to pre-report, and we really drill them hard on pre-reporting because if they um, fall into this trap where they think, well, I can't report from far away, I have to be there to actually do it, they, they get there and they're overwhelmed, they have no idea what's going on, and that just leads to a lot of trouble. So by the time they get there, they should have their you know, dozen sources, hopefully, so, so people know they're coming, they're prepared, and that's really where the strength lies, is in that pre-reporting. How well they do that will dictate entirely how successful their trip is. And do the students ever, you know, kind of tell you after the fact, like, so glad that I, you know, spent that time to do my pre-reporting and to do my prior research? Because in a way, it's kind of like they're, you know, parachute journalists, like, coming in mm-hmm. for a very short amount of time to do an in-depth story like that and then they're leaving and you know I mean theoretically if they're assigned uh, to cover like uh, the Flathead reservation I guess it's like what like an hour from campus but if they get like Fort Peck that's you can't just there's no plan B in that situation if you get out there and you (laughs) can't get the photo you needed you can't get the video or the interview you needed it's like you get one shot I mean, I'll admit the hardest part is convincing them that pre-reporting is going to save your life because every every student thinks, "Well, I'm different. I can do it when I get there." Oh no! Part of the <laughs> part of our preparation is is we we have a panel of of alums, like students, former students who have done a project before. They come in and kind of tell them what to expect. And when they come in, 100% of the time, they say you have to pre-report. They say, I didn't believe it, but you have to. And, you know, it, it's, but there's some students where you, you, you can say it until your face turns blue. And uh, they just think they, they have to be on the ground. Would you agree, Jeremy? Yeah, absolutely. And it's part of it's one of the hard things to teach students, right? They all look back on it and realize how important it is but to get them to realize the importance before they go. And so we do spend, you know, a significant chunk of classes showing them good examples of things that went well when people had really good reporting and how that led them down the path to a really successful and meaningful story. And I think you bring up a really good point. We talk about the pitfalls of parachute journalism. Many Native American communities across the country have had lots of journalists pop in, do the story, and then they're gone, and they may not follow up for years. And so there's also understanding that historical perspective on how communities have been covered. And so we give them that knowledge and understanding of history so they can try to figure out ways and ways to get past that, especially for visual journalists. We spent most of yesterday talking about what have been successful projects for this class and what led to them being successful. And we brought up things like being upfront about your intentions. Uh, you know, you're making tons of phone calls leading up to your trip and you have to be upfront about what the story is about and why it's important. But then at the same token, you have to say, here's our topic. Here's 
where our story is going, what do you think? And and be good listeners as well. Because once they get on the ground, uh, when they've got four days to report, we really want them to be reporting, talking with people, being with people in uh, in their lives, watching their lives in action. Because that often makes for the best pictures and scenes and stories when you're with people. So we talk a lot about that, how to sort of yeah, avoid the pitfalls of parachute journalism. You know, we wish we had more budget and can send them on three trips. The Flathead Indian Reservation, which is just north, is the easiest one for us to cover because it is the really the farthest away would be an hour, an hour and a half for that reservation. But Fort Peck is a 10-hour drive in good weather. Crow in northern Cheyenne are six to eight to nine hours. Rocky Boy in Fort Belknap are, are six hours, which is six and a half. So, that's something we're, we were always trying to figure out a way to get more funding and to get them prepped earlier and get them multiple trips. We've had students, many of our best stories, students have gone back a second time or they went for a pre-reporting two-day trip to talk to their uh, the sources that they were communicating with to start building a, a more effective story and to build trust with the people in those communities. So what kind of feedback yeah. have you gotten from the communities based on these stories? The feedback that we've gotten has been Pretty minimal, I'd say, but I think that's a really good thing. <laughs> I, so we haven't made anybody mad enough to actually reach out to us. That's um, good. Yeah, we do get a lot of like response on, on on social media, like stories get shared. People are excited to see the stuff that we cover, particularly if we cover something that is not just like a tragedy. So people really like to see those intricate, more everyday stories. But in terms of people coming up to us or reaching out to us to tell us about a story from the tribes, it's pretty minimal. I think that's good. Like I personally get a lot more response from people outside the reservation telling me how they appreciate the project. But I'd much rather have it the way it is now than have people tell me how how bad we messed up. <laughs> but has there has there actually oh. been a case where someone mentioned in a story, you know, like had good reason to be upset with what was published? I mean, you don't have to go into specifics like whose story it was. If no, that did yeah. happen, like, you know, how did you guys handle it? So I've been teaching this class since 2010. And I can emphatically say that no, nothing's been brought to my attention. We do have a pretty in- intense copy editing process and fact checking process to make sure that everything is as accurate as it can be. But if, if that has happened, it hasn't happened during the time I've taught the class and it hasn't been brought to my attention, I guess is the best I can answer that. Jeremy, you have anything? Yeah, I mean, we've covered some, some difficult stories and issues. I think we've covered a full range of stories, some that are more personal and uh, some that are more based on a news item. And mostly it's been positive. I mean, we've got letters from from people from tribes who are in prison that said, I really enjoyed the, the entire section of your stories. Thank you for covering these stories. We've gotten things from journalists in the state and from just community members. And it's a handful of emails a year. You know, we, we have a thing at the, on the About page that says, please email us with your comments. We decided not to allow live commenting on the stories for some good reasons, I think, because often we can go down the wrong. Those discussions aren't really fruitful to the topic. So we kind of were were worried about allowing live comments on the stories after they go up. But we haven't had many negative comments. I mean, some some news outlets would say, right, if you're if you're not getting anybody complaining, then maybe you're not pushing boundaries or the stories hard enough and and hitting people where, hey, we need change. But I also think with how we handle this project, we're that's not our intention, right? Like, yes, we hope if our story illuminates a subject where. Like there's in our state right now, there's legislation to 
hire a person to help with jurisdictional issues and a whole slew of issues with missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls in our state. And it's going to be a state-level bill. And we hope that if that's passed and our coverage of that will help improve, you know, that's part of what journalism should do is shine light on what people are trying to do to change things and how those things might be successful or, or not. But we haven't had a lot of negative emails over the years. That's yeah. really lucky then. <laughs> So, well, then what do you think that professional news organizations can learn from your class? And what, what do you think full-time journalists can, can learn from the techniques that you guys use in the project? And, of course, not every journalist has the luxury of spending four months on a single story. But are there some basic rules to follow or some basic techniques that you think people who whoever cover Indian country could could really be keeping in mind in order to improve their coverage of these communities? I think number one is, you know, like everybody's apprehensive. I mean, when we come into class in, in January, right, we do that that lame thing that professors do where we go around the room and have everybody introduce themselves and talk about any experience they have working with, with uh, tribes, and most of them don't, right? Most of our students are white. And they have no experience. And you can see you can see the apprehension in their eyes. And some some of them are just outright let's say, I have no idea what, what, how this is going to work. I have no idea how to do this. You know, like they, I, I've never worked with a tribe before. I never met a Native American person before, right? And then come May, after the whole experience, they're arguing with us about the best way to, you know, phrase these delicate topics or how, like, what, 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 what images best represent, you know, this intricate story, right? And so they build up all this, all this confidence, confidence over, over four months, right? And that takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of preparation and reporting. And you're right, most people don't have the luxury of four months to work on one story. But also, these students necessarily either could, because um, ah, what I mean by that is they also have other classes, right? They also have their part-time jobs. They're working on, on the campus newspaper. So basically, they carve out, we force them to carve out time and, you know, dedicate, you know, a few hours a week to making phone calls and, you know, preparing for the trips. So the actual on-the-ground reporting is, like we said, only like four days Maybe more if they take the initiative to go back, and if they go back, they're doing that on, on their own dime, right? So I think mainstream news organizations, what they can learn from this is, you know, yeah, you, you have limited resources, you have limited time, but really what's keeping you from doing a really good job of covering Indian country is the apprehension you have that you don't have the experience, that the people there don't know you, right? And we all have that, no matter what we're covering. And if you can carve out the time, if if you know we have this class, maybe that forced you to carve out that time, then it can be done, right? It can totally be done. But you just have to go over that that apprehension of it's impossible, and I have no time, I have no resources. You find it. That's what we do with all of our uh, the best stories that, we, that we've worked on. You find that time, you know, a few hours a week, built up over a few weeks, over a few months. Um, we all know from our best stories that's that's how it works, and this isn't this this isn't different. It's just maybe a little bit farther away. Yeah, I would. I, the only thing I would add, I think Jason's absolutely right. I think it's a matter of just making it a priority and finding time. It doesn't have to be that you need 40 hours a week for four months to do a good job, but if you commit to doing it, commit to going, for example, a city that has two reservations within three hours of their coverage area, it's just a matter of making a point to go there and talk to people and do stories and not just go when 
there's a problem with a city or a tribal councilman or there's a negative news situation happening. But going for the full arc of life for those communities, go for the feature stories, get to know the community and the people and making a difference in their communities. And I think that goes a really long way. Then you become, that community becomes part of your, your news coverage. It's, you know, we've lost a lot of beat reporters, right? So it's not like most newsrooms can say, well, let's, let's put this in so-and-so's beat. You know, your job is to go out and meet people and tell stories from the, the reservation and tribal communities near your, your paper's coverage. That can be really difficult, but I think it's just about a matter of making it a priority. You know, we talk to our students about being sort of thoughtful in their coverage and being upfront with their intentions. All the things that you need to be a good journalist is, still apply here. But we do, we, as Jason said, we, we prepare them. They prepare themselves over the course of, you know, eight weeks, learning the history of the tribes, learning the topic and how it relates to, to their the tribes on their reservation. Uh, then they start sorting through what possible stories might intersect with our topic in the community they're covering. And then they start talking to more people and hearing what they what people in that community have to say about this topic and they sort of narrow on their their pitch in those first 8 weeks so they do really you know it's a, it's a pretty robust training for them over the course of 8 weeks and so it's just a matter maybe of you know media outlets making that a priority to to get their you know reporters and photographers that training yeah, and I think one of the things that we're really proud of that Jeremy and I were just talking about a few a few minutes ago is that like you know when when Standing Rock happened couple years ago we had a dozen alums from this class like go out there some of them went as assignments but a lot of them went on their own like they took time off to go out there and take photographs and to report on their own and then came back to wherever they were working and produced stuff which i think was, was which i'm really proud of right and most of those students were not native so the fact that they were confident enough to go to to such a huge movement like that speaks a lot about the confidence that we were able to instill in them during this class. That's amazing. That's really awesome because, yeah, it's that sort of feeling of self-doubt, I think, is the huge Achilles heel for many journalists that stops them from pursuing stories that they might really want to go after, but they're just not quite confident about how to tackle it and or that they're so worried that they'll they'll do it wrong that they mm-hmm. they don't touch it at all. You know, one thing that I think is really important in our class in, is having Native, Native American students in the class. We hope that the class reflects the population of our state, right? And generally, we have one to two Native American students in the class, and, and many of them pursue journalism after that. And I think it is really important for their perspective in that class to help students that are non-Native, you know, the, I'm not Native American, and so for me to go to a reservation is different than for Jason to go to a reservation. We talk about some of those things, what's different, what's good, what's bad, what's, what are challenges. And I think, yes, we still probably need more Native American voices in the news, and that helps the paper's coverage. But also for people that aren't Native American, they have to, they have to commit to doing it, you know, and, and try to do it as well as they can and, and learn from that, through that process. So we hope that our students... You know, they leave the class with some of those ideas of how to be successful in, in covering other communities that, that aren't theirs, right? And some of our best teams, I think, have been a Native American student with a non-Native American student. And, and we've had some really good teams that have tackled some pretty difficult stories together. 
Well, I think I went through all of my questions, but is there something that we didn't talk about that you guys would like to mention? One of the more important roles that we serve here with this class for both our readership and for our students is to prove to everyone that, you know, we talked about coverage of mainstream media and how they covered Native Americans through the decades, right? And so when I grew up, mm-hmm. coverage was, was pretty negative in that, you know, they were covering a lot of like alcoholism and diabetes and, and high death rates. You know, and this is why I tell all my students every year we, I teach this class is that if all I knew about Indian country was what I learned about reading mainstream news coverage growing up, then I would think that reservations are the scariest, deadliest places in the world. Right, which isn't the case. Having grown up on one, I'm on the Navajo Nation. I, I knew for a fact that wasn't the case, but you know, I also knew that there were a lot of readers who did because they had the same impressions that I did, reading mainstream news coverage. So one of the big things that we want to do here is to is to not say that those tragic issues don't exist, but it, it's to say that there are also a lot of really great minds and a lot of really big hearts on reservations who are doing tremendous work to improve things and also that you know there are a lot of people like myself who grew up on reservations and have their and have had their happiest moments there you know their, their happiest moments in their lives and so it's not doom and gloom quite the opposite actually and so i think the fact that the school of journalism here has funded the project for almost 30 years speaks very highly of how much we value accuracy in covering Indian country. Um, That's a lot of dedication. It it is by far the most expensive class that we have here in our curriculum. And the fact that we keep paying for it to print for the reporting trips says a lot about the program and about how much we value covering these undercovered communities. Jason and Jeremy, thank you both so much for talking with me today. It's been a great pleasure hearing all about the project, and I hope that all of our listeners go and check it out and read some of the amazing work that your students have produced over the years. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Yeah, thanks so much for the discussion and and your interest in our school's project. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about the people who make the news. You can find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. While you're visiting our website, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You get all the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about live events and upcoming interviews. Go to itsalljournalism.com. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Nick Dupre wrote the theme music. Nicholas Hunter provided a web assist. And Michael O'Connell is our host. I'm Amelia Brust. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.